Knowledge is the fuel that powers intelligent buying and selling. So get a quick recharge with me, Ron Edwards, Master Sommelier and Director of Wine Education for Winebow, Fine Wine, and Spirits. Welcome back to WineSmart. Today we're going to talk about the Yakima Valley in Washington State. Let's get oriented to exactly where that is. Yakima Valley is on the eastern side of the Cascade Range, and it's named after the Yakima River. Uh, the Yakima River is a tributary of the Columbia River, and it's named for the Yakima indigenous people. The length of the river is 214 miles or 344 kilometers uh, start to finish. And this is actually the longest river entirely within Washington state. Yes, the Columbia River is much longer, but it crosses state boundaries. The town of Yakima, which is pretty much centered to the Appalachian, sits at 46.6 degrees north latitude. Why does that matter? Well, global positioning makes a lot of difference in climate expectations, certainly number of sunlight hours and things like that. But let's compare it to other places we know. Uh, 46.6 is between the two very famous wine producing areas of Bordeaux, France, and the city of Dijon, which is at the northern end of Burgundy. So the town of Yakima itself is 142 miles, 229 kilometers, southeast of Seattle, and it's 185 miles, 298 kilometers, northeast of Portland, Oregon. The AVA covers 708,710 acres, that's uh, 286,805 hectare, with 18,924 acres, or 7,658 hectare, of vines actually planted. There's a lot of empty land, as you can tell, and some of that is about having water rights, because this is a very arid place, and without irrigation you cannot have vineyards. And the rest of it is the expansion of the industry is still underway. The Yakima Valley itself has an average elevation of 861 feet, that's 262 meters above sea level, but it includes some much higher areas. The city of Yakima is at 1,066 feet, 325 meters. Snipes Mountain, which is an AVA, exceeds 1,300 feet, which is 396 meters. Red Mountain, which is a little bit of a misnomer because it's more of a tall hill than a mountain, uh, rises to 1,411 feet, uh, which is 430 meters. And then there are the Rattlesnake Hills, which is uh, part of a, a ridge that rises to as high as 3,084 feet, or 940 meters. The Cascade Range is super important to Yakima and all of eastern Washington because it acts as a rain shadow. All of that moisture that we uh, think of with Seattle being um, misty and rainy and all of those that lush vegetation that we see from the coastal pictures of Washington State, that moisture gets squeezed out as it goes over the Cascade Range. And what you get on the other side is arid conditions. So the range for the whole valley is 5 inches to 12 inches, um, 127 millimeters to 305 millimeters annually. Thankfully, we have all kinds of snowmelt and uh, irrigation ability based on the Columbia River and the Yakima River. So it is entirely possible to have great viticulture here, but it does require that uh, irrigation options be available. And so water rights in Yakima Valley and all of Eastern Washington are very, very important. Yakima Valley AVA, American Viticultural Area, was uh, approved in 1983, and it was the first um, AVA in Washington State. It is now home to four sub-regional AVA, and they are Candy Mountain, Rattlesnake Hills, 
Snipes Mountain, and Red Mountain. Candy Mountain's the newest. It was uh, approved in 2020. The valley itself is a result of the Yakima Fold anticlines. Anticlines are a result of compression of the bedrock. It creates a folding uh, that's very regular and um, sort of lined up. Imagine uh, corduroy at a giant scale looking down from space on the texture of the earth. Another very famous wine region with anticlines is Prosecco. So let's talk about the climate of Yakima Valley because that is where it really starts to matter to what we grow and what results we get. At a latitude of 46 plus degrees north, you get a growing season where days are very, very long. The actual length of the growing season in Yakima Valley is shorter than you might think. It, we think, wow, it's it's warm there, it's, it's sort of a, a northern desert, but because it's at 46 degrees north, spring comes later than it does in California and winter comes earlier. But in the growing season, you get so many hours of sunshine. Actually, you know, it maxes out at about 17 hours of daylight at its longest days of the year. The arid conditions, they don't prevent heat from accumulating in the daytime. It actually gets pretty warm, but it does mean that the heat dissipates very quickly in the evening. There's no humidity or um, a thick air to hold it down. And so you get these cool to cold nights depending on where you are and what time of year it is. And that very large diurnal shift allows grapes to get very, very ripe, but maintain a freshness and a tartness that uh, makes really well-balanced wine. So the combination of that really long daytime sunshine hours, very little cloud cover, with what is a regularly windy area, those two things combined create um, smaller berries on the cluster with thicker skins. So that's really beneficial to our red wines where we're looking for extract and intensity. The one big danger out there, other than drought, is the killing cold of winter. We don't think necessarily of Washington State as being that cold, but because they don't have a ton of snowfall to cover up the vines and because the uh, northern blasts of temperature can be quite severe and sudden, vine mortality due to cold in the winter is a real problem. So one of the things that is done is moving the vineyards up on hillsides where the coldest air can sink past them into the valleys and that's one of the things that helps. The soils of course matter. We always have to talk about what are the vineyards made out of and in Yakima Valley the topsoil in the valley and lower slopes is silty loam and it was deposited by the Missoula floods uh, and or windblown luss. Uh, and luss is basically fine silt that was blown around by heavy winds after the Missoula floods uh, when there was very little to block it and keep it from having dust storms basically. And so windblown lust is found on the hillsides where the wind would go by and then it would have a little eddy and so the wind could drop the dust in the eddy. Uh, Candy Mountain is a really good example of how windblown lust has deposited on the hillsides. The bedrock of Yakima Valley, like most of uh, Columbia Valley, is basalt. That basalt can be exposed in higher elevations on these um, anticlines where erosion has gotten to them, but most of the time it's below either windblown luss or Missoula flood sediment or both. The advantage of basalt, if the vines can access it, is it offers a different set of minerals for the vines to react to. 
So let's talk in specific now about those AVAs and let's move them in your mind from northwest in the Appalachian to southeast. The first one in the northwest is the Rattlesnake Hills. It runs from northwest to southeast. Um, it has an elevation that uh, helps reduce frost risk. Remember, this is one of those that ranges from 850 to 3,084 feet, which is 259 to 940 meters. So even though the vineyards are planted in the lower half of that elevation, that allows that cold air to drain off down further into the valley, which helps reduce those um, bring frosts. This part of Yakima Valley was first planted in 1968. Now let's talk about Snipes Mountain. It's another one of the anticline ridges. It's on the south side of the valley. It's not as large as Rattlesnake Hills. It's characterized by steep north and south facing slopes, and you can plant on both sides, and there would be reasons to do that in Yakima. And the, the slopes are full of Missoula flood deposits, which means you've got lots of large, you know, hand size to um, grapefruit size and bigger cobble. The advantage of this area is the wide range of aspects. You can have your vineyards facing north, which for most of us in the northern hemisphere, this is what we wouldn't want to do. But in a region that has as much sunshine and warmth as uh, Yakima Valley does in the summertime, there is a logic about planting on those north-facing slopes for some things. The first vineyards were planted in on Snipes Fountain in 1914. It was actually Muscat. Red Mountain is more of a tall hill than it, and it isn't actually red. Uh, in the spring, it's uh, covered with red cheatgrass, and it has that red appearance, and that's how it got its name. It's the warmest and one of the driest AVAs in Washington. It's very windy, which gives you these small grape berries with thick skins, and this is a great place for Cabernet Sauvignon. It gets fully ripe. It's very intense. And yet the, the high diurnal shift of as much as 40 degrees Fahrenheit, 22 degrees Celsius, helps keep the acidity of the grapes uh, such that you get richness and refreshment at the same time. The other unique aspect of Red Mountain is that the soils themselves have a high pH due to calcium carbonate content, and that reduces vigor. And the last one is Candy Mountain. It's just four miles beyond Red Mountain to the southeast, so it has that same dry, windy uh, arrangement. It actually has five inches of rain per year, which is even less than Red Mountain at six. Its uh, soils are lush on top of Missoula flood deposits, and they're thin, so the grapevines here have access to that basalt layer. The elevation range here is 640 to 1360 feet. That's 195 to 415 meters. Again, the prime grape here is Cabernet Sauvignon, like its neighbor. Just to kind of wrap this all up, Yakima Valley grows more white grapes than red, but has the right vineyard locations for both. The overall location is deceptively ideal for high quality grape production. The vineyard manager gets to control hydric stress. Nature has removed most of the disease pressures and the warm day and cool nights produce elevated ripeness and fresh acidity at the same time. The wine region has made great strides in overall quality and reputation in a very short time. So you should definitely start selling and buying these wines.